0: He's got that that hair. It's almost like Guy Fieri hair. It's like spiked back and those sun, those awful <laughs> sunglasses.
1: Hi and welcome to episode of Cinanation. My name is Brandon Sparks and I'm Thomas Horton. And with each new episode of Cinanation, we're delving into a specific genre of film. And right now. For the month of April, or for the month of May, actually, we've been delving into one specific genre, which is something we're doing here now. And for the month of May, we decided to talk about Texas movies. And the first episode, we talked about the overall view uh, or over, overall kind of tropes of the Texas genre. Last week, we did uh, the Last Picture Show, which was kind of our classic film example of the Texas genre. And this week, we have our contemporary film, and this is kind of. I feel like in terms of we were talking about the genre, this is the only one we could really talk about in terms of like contemporary Texas movies. Like there's been others these past few years, but with this movie, which is Hell or High Water, this is the one everyone's kind of asked me the past few weeks. Are you guys talking about Hell or High Water? And I feel like this is kind of the perfect one to look at in terms of like a modern lens. But first, real quick, um, we talked about the tropes of this genre just to kind of give you guys a little context of this uh thomas what in terms of the texas movie genre what have been some of the the tropes we've talked about definitely like
0: a feeling of being stuck whether it's in texas or in your town or in your life um and and on the the other hand of that there's like the feeling of being stuck but then there's also the 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 more kind of positive way it's viewed as like a deep tie to the land like pride in owning land pride in 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 um the traditions like your family and having your family ranch um, and so it goes both ways like and, and sometimes people feel stuck in on a ranch that they're proud of that um, that yeah. happens as well and um, I think we'll we'll see that a little bit in uh, in this movie but um, but yeah the kind of the, the vastness of Texas and and the way it just kind of engulfs everyone within it um, as well as lawmen and, and outlaws and just the continuation of cowboys and bandits throughout time periods yeah and uh and oil
1: lots and lots and of oil oil is oil, a big thing yeah in terms of, like the family stuff it's a lot about legacy mm-hmm. which was kind of it was established early on in the genre with red river and with giant which we talked about in the first episode of the month of kind of this idea of like what are you passing down to your kids or what were you what, what, what did your previous generation pass down to you And I kind of forgot how important that was in this movie specifically. Mm -hmm. Like it was actually interesting in terms of what we talked about going back and revisiting this specific movie and seeing actually how well it fits into the kind of the tropes we've established in the previous films from giant to even last picture show. And all that. So, Thomas, real quick, give us the intro to Hell or High Water.
0: Uh, so, Hell or High Water is a is a, a neo western. I think everyone everyone's in agreement upon that. It's it can it can be hard sometimes. Like the west, what is a western and what makes a western? It, it, there's a lot of debate about it, and um, there's a lot of argument about it. But I think everyone pretty much agrees that this is this is a western. It's about it's about cowboys, yeah. it's about bandits, um, but it's set in modern day, and it's about two brothers who are robbing. Uh, different branches of the texas midlands bank and uh and then two texas rangers who are trying to track them down one being played by um jeff bridges who is like on the verge of retirement and another one uh played by Gil birmingham who is like a like an old friend of his they've been partners for a long time and they've got this kind of back and forth friendly uh ripping on each other and um it's it's not revealed until later on into the film so spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie (laughs) um but you but you you come to find out that the um brothers one one is an ex-con played by ben foster who recently got out of prison for robbing banks um the younger brother is is played by chris pine and he has from what you find he has sunk all of his money and all of his mother's money into taking care of her while she was dying of of a terminal illness. And now that she is dead, the bank is foreclosing on their family ranch. And so what you find out is that they are actually robbing, they're only robbing Texas Midlands, which is the bank that is foreclosing on them in order to pay back the mortgage.
1: Yeah, and it's such an ingenious plan of let's rob the bank that... it's i mean it's it's we'll talk about this later too it's kind of a revenge story as well yeah and and there's also throughout
0: chris pine kind of has these, these this weird set of morals that's like these are the lines that we're not going to cross and that makes it okay and and that's the idea that like this bank has been robbing us for years they gave us a predatory loan and they've been robbing us so we're only going to rob them
1: back and give the money right back to them um yeah, it's we're, we're using their own money to pay for what basically we're using the money they, they stole from us to pay for this land and they don't even know it. Mm-hmm. But it's also throughout the movie, you're kind of you're not just hearing them talk about it like everyone else is talking about, oh, like the bank stole from me all these years. The bank did this or there's also this kind of recurring theme of like even with the waitress uh, at, the, at the diner at one point where it's like he gives her Chris Pine gives her a huge tip and she's like, yeah, this is a. It's like half of my mortgage right here that I'm having to pay. Like financial stuff, we've talked. Weirdly, we talked about this in the in the Haunted House episode, but in this movie too, I kept noticing how financial stuff and finances and and financial struggles was kind of a constant with everyone in this film. Even with them driving through Texas and seeing billboards of like debt, debt relief, Mm -hmm. relief, and everything like that. Like it's it's a very like prominent thing. Incredibly well done. It's very it's really subtle. Like it, it doesn't hit you over the head of it, especially in the period
0: that this film was like in the same period as the big short. Um, this is, this is much more subtle, but saying a lot of the same things about this period of, in the 2010s, um, of like predatory, uh, loans and foreclosures and, and a lot of just overall, uh, people being angry with the banks. Um, yeah. And, and so we had a lot of movies, it's weird we can i mean you could do a whole genre thing you've got everything from uh the will ferrell comedy the the other guys um you know to something like this but it's it's really really subtly done where where it doesn't feel political throughout the movie but
1: no it doesn't but
0: it's also something that ties into another another trope we covered a little bit is is in that kind of it's it's and it's kind of uh like texas justice um and like the people's justice and and we saw that in um I mean, we talked about it a little bit about in in last picture show everybody hopping in the car with the sheriff to to go catch um,
1: Joe the Bob. His name is the preacher's son.
0: But we definitely saw it in Lone Star. We talked about it a little bit, but in Lone Star, you're following a, a a sheriff who's trying to work within the law, but he's constantly coming up against people who are involved in something that's outside the law, but they know that it's right in their like in their moral codes. It's right, and so it's okay to be outside the law, and and you. And so they, they they keep the story quiet, or they cover up for somebody, and you see you you see that here as well. Like the the Texas, if if outlaws are on the right side, then then or or you know even if the, you know the enemy of my enemy is my friend, you, you start to see these citizens kind of cover for the bank robbers.
1: Um, yeah, when it when when the Texas Rangers are are questioning them. Yeah, you see a little bit of that, especially in the diner scene. But then also talking about Texas justice, then you have just the other side of it where it's like. <laughs> all these men chasing down the bank robbers with guns. <laughs> and it, but the thing is, it's actually brought up early on in the movie when Jeff Bridges is like, if you see any like uh, like kind of uh, suspicious characters around, make sure you tell us. And the guy's just like, well, I'm going to shoot him. And he goes, well, that'd be good for everybody but you. Like, it's like- Yeah, well, the, I mean, some, the, the,
0: like the very first, one of the very first guys we see when they're robbing, I think the second bank, they say, you got a gun on you old man? He says, hell yeah, it's
1: Texas. What you think? <laughs> <laughs> and then he chases after them yeah. when they leave and trying to shoot them and that happens even to the like even the climax of the movie where it's like or not the climax of the movie, but the climax of kind of ben Foster's story is like he's being chased down not just by cops but by these just like rednecks who for some reason feel like they have a, a say and not capturing this dude but killing him yeah
0: yeah and well and it and it, it it's the having seen earlier these citizens like kind of be on their side yeah yeah. it makes you realize just the kind of pure bloodlust in texas like they they just want to shoot somebody it's just an opportunity to shoot someone and if they sat down and thought about it they probably like i mean up until some people get killed but you know you know a lot of people were on their side when they thought about it until until the violence started yeah
1: so quick initial thoughts i have not seen this since it came out Have you Had you rewatched it since it first came out in 2016? I saw it like
0: twice, kind of back to back. Like I watched it, and then I think immediately showed my parents, um, but had not revisited since then. It's one of those movies that like stuck with me. Like I've been, I've told countless people to watch it since then, but I, I myself had not
1: gone back and rewatched it since then. And so, what were your thoughts about it in this in this rewatch? Like quick, I mean, it's just as good. I mean, there, there's been a couple of times since
0: I've been you know uh recommending it for people that i've been like "Ooh, is this as good as i remember it being and it it is it is everybody in it is great i've been a big fan of ben foster since he was like a kid um and i was really happy he kind of went away for a little bit and i was happy to see him find this role and then he followed it up like two years later with leave no trace which was fantastic he's great um this was also the the first movie where i was like okay okay chris pine like i was not (laughs) on the chris pine train until this movie i feel like 2015 like 2014 2015 2016 was this period where you had like jake gyllenhaal doing like Nightcrawler, and you're starting to go like oh these like pretty boys we grew up with they
1: got some chops and this one this one really impressed me for with chris pine well him chris pine and he also when did he do wet hot american summer because that was around this time when he's playing the rock star in the camp yeah i think uh, that was
0: summer of 2015
1: yeah i think he's great i think he's great in that Mm -hmm. too yeah it's I actually think this is better watching it this time. Mm-hmm. Like, I liked it when it first came out, but this time, I you, I really kind of saw the craft behind it all in terms yeah, of, Yeah, you can like, get beyond... Because it, it is a very yeah. driving plot. It's a lot like... Um, yeah. So,
0: it was, it was written by Taylor Sheridan, who also wrote Sicario, and I think it's a lot like Sicario in that it is a gripping action movie. Yeah. But there's so much going on in the background. Sher- Sheridan has a great way of, of bringing in... A lot of like socio-political issues yeah but never making it feel like you're you're breaking the action in any way um yeah and and sicario is great at that uh this movie's great at that his <clears throat> directorial debut when river is fantastic at that but um yeah it, it so the first time you watch it you're like you're just like hell yeah this is a great bank robbing movie and then you go back and you rewatch it and you're like wow these characters are all and I mean, it's pretty. It's a pretty quick movie. It's 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 not long. It is. It moves. Yeah, it moves well. And and you're you're never like spending too much time like with these characters like talking about their feelings and stuff. But you you get to know the main four characters really well.
1: Yeah, and and what I like about his scripts, and this is why I want to revisit Sicario because I've said I don't know if I've said this on this podcast. Don't hate it. Hate me. Um, like I wasn't in as in love with Sicario as everyone else was. But because I think I was had issues with the way it was structured. But when rewatching Hell or High Water and When River this time, I'm kind of just realizing Sheridan really likes messing with the structure of a movie. Mm -hmm. Like it gets to a point where like everything's going the way like it kind of should feel like it's going. And then something kind of happens at one point where it's a little bit it, he subverts the structure a little bit to where it's like, that's kind of new. Like in Wind River, there's a point where it goes to a flash. Well, I don't want to spoil, when, when, spoil Wind River on here because we're not talking about it. But there's a point where like it's in the middle of a scene and it just kind of, it flashes back to a previous time and you're unaware of it until a certain point. Yeah,
0: it plays out incredibly it, well. It
1: plays out incredibly well. And I'm like, oh, that's new. And it's like in the middle of kind of like, Kind of close to the, climax, the climax of the film. Yeah. 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 And we just like jump back all of a sudden with no kind of and that's it's the kind of thing that it. you
0: would read in a script and you would be like, no, you absolutely cannot do this. <laughs> but visually yeah. it works so well. And and casting wise, they they make a great casting choice to kind of play with play yeah. with your expectations
1: in that sequence as well. It's it's and even, awesome. And even in this movie, it's like it kind of he I, I don't know if Sheridan with these two with this and one river, and I don't know about Sicario, if if they're kind of like two act movies, mm-hmm. like two act structures in a way, because I was watching that with Hell or High Water, and I realized like it kind of what there wasn't really a a low point at the end of Act Two or whatever. When I mean, there kind of is, but like it's just a lot of Act Two, at least the latter half, feels like one continuous chase, mm-hmm. and there's no and there's no there's no big ups or downs. It's pretty much just. They're being chased by the cops and the Texans and uh, they're trying to get away. And that's pretty much a solid 25 minutes of that film. It feels like, but yeah, I loved it even more. So quick history of this movie real quick before we dive into like favorite scenes. So this was shared and I don't know if it was the first script he had written out of the ones that came out of Sicario and all that, but it was written and uh, he got on the blacklist in 2012 with this script originally called Comancheria like cuz it's a specific re- is called named after the initial like the the region of West Texas and New Mexico that had been uh part of the Comanche tribe and it was at the blacklist and can you give a brief rundown what the blacklist is Yeah so the the blacklist is kind of a compilation every year
0: a bunch of the biggest uh producers and de- and film development executives in Hollywood get together and kind of vote on the scripts that have been getting passed around but haven't been made yet. But it's it's the kind yeah. of scripts. And there's there's a lot of these scripts where, like, everyone in town has read this script. But it's just not right maybe for their studio, um, just, you know, for their budget, whatever. It's just for some reason they haven't developed it themselves. And so every year they, they, they all kind of get together and put out a list of these scripts that are like, these are great we can't make them but someone
1: should it, ge- it gives the writers and those scripts a little bit of traction mm-hmm. where someone's like oh I haven't heard this Maybe I should read this and so it's a big honor to get on the blacklist yeah, and they also
0: publish the scripts which is kind of r- rare you know these these are scripts that have been passed around from agencies to studios and 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 they they the blacklist publishes the whole script so you can you can read it yeah and
1: um, it's it's gotten really big in the past few years because of its importance because I think I'm, I'm reading right now the stats of it. Uh, about like a thousand scripts have been included in the blacklist since 2005, and nearly a third of those have been produced in the movies. So you have *Hell or High Water*, you have *The Revenant*, you have *The King's Speech*, you have *American Hustle*, you have *Argo*. All these kind of movies have were in the blacklist.
0: Yeah, but there's also you know you, a lo- there's also a lot more people who that script doesn't get made, but then they.
1: They get hired to, because of that yeah, script
0: Yeah, I, I know um, uh, Bo Burnham had a script on the blacklist that got passed around for forever and it and that that movie kind of turned into eighth grade um, but a, a lot of times it'll turn into that sort of thing that you can get hired onto something else based off of your blacklist script.
1: So this was in 2012 and I wanted to it's it's not the it's not saying this the blacklist isn't a best of list it's more of a most liked list. Mm-hmm. And I wanna put that into perspective here because I'm with the what the, the stats I'm gonna give you real quick. So it was in 2012 when the film was on the blacklist. And I wanna give you a few of the movies that were also on the blacklist that year
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the mentions they got. So uh this is on the blacklist. It had nineteen mentions, which means nineteen people liked it. Uh the highest rated one had 65 mentions the movie that it was was draft day which got made into <laughs> which got made into a movie with kevin costner and that was the most liked script out of that year some other movies arrival was that year it had 35 mentions extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile the ted bundy movie had 31 mentions wow 2012 Me, Me, i mean that took
0: it it took yeah.
1: seven, years, seven years basically yeah. to, yeah uh me and earl and the dying girl 29 mentions the judge that became the robert duvall uh, uh robert Downey jr movie 20 mentions so it had more than this movie uh a movie that this tied with in terms of mentions whiplash was that wow. year with 19 another one was flower the movie with zoe Deutsch, was also with 19 that i think max winkler did uh the ones that be- that were below it with 18 Fault in our stars blockers with 13 jojo rabbit with 12 mm-hmm. the equalizer with eight and transcendence with seven wow the equalizer was a blacklist script yeah that's wild yeah like a like a television so- adaptation that's 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 interesting but it's crazy to me to think that jojo rabbit was it also took seven years to get made yeah and then one best screenplay so it's just been sitting around for 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 years there was one again you can, it was interesting going back and looking at the movies that have been on the blacklist and how long it took for them to get made one of them also in their kevin costner movie was the highway men which i think was on the original blacklist in like oh five mm-hmm. and didn't get made until last year yeah yeah and i mean and sometimes it takes you know
0: another success like with with, with taika you know doing uh thor just kind of opened the floodgates to people going all right we want to do whatever taika wants to do but you know with with sheridan i'm sure that doing sicario with you know a respected a well-respected director a well-respected dp opened up you know someone said wow that Sicario was good what else can we uh, yeah. do with this guy
1: so it, it weirdly it got fast-tracked in 2015 uh at the time of when it was on the blacklist, it was attached to Peter Berg's production company, Mm -hmm. who we've talked about in this podcast before with Friday Night Lights. Uh, And he was also the producer of Hell or High Water and a producer on Wind River. Mm -hmm. So he was kind of like Taylor Sheridan's producing uh, outlet. Uh, And they were trying to get it. And then 2015, it got fast-tracked maybe because of Sicario, because Jeff Bridges hops on, and then Chris Pine hops on, and Ben Foster hop on around the same exact time. And I think April of 2015, they start shooting in June of that year, and it's released next summer.
0: Well, and with, with Berg kind of attaching himself to Sheridan, because Sheridan was an actor first, right? Yes,
1: he was in Sons of Anarchy was kind of his big claim to fame, I think. Yeah,
0: so, you know, it's kind of, Ber- I'm sure Berg kind of saw a kindred spirit in that. It's a, it's a very similar story to um, yeah to Berg, kind of a,
1: a tough guy actor becoming his own writer-director. Exactly. But yeah, so Berg hops on, and then I think when Sicario, it, Sicario hasn't been released yet. I don't think when it starts getting fast tracked, but probably in Hollywood, the thing is that things are being talked about for so long, and you kind people know what movies are going to do well, kind of before they come out. And I feel like Sicario is probably getting enough buzz, especially with the talent it it uh, attracted, where who they wanted to be on his next script, and and that's and then weirdly, Sicario didn't get much love in terms of the script stuff. I think it was actually it was nominated for the writers guild's best original screenplay but hell or high water was kind of the breakout script for taylor sheridan is what it was sakara um,
0: sakara is a good story but it's not necessarily like a, you wa- you don't walk out of it going like oh that, that dialogue that is a great
1: script yeah
0: like it's it's very well written as like as like storytelling
1: goes but uh yeah it's it's not flashy dialogue like people like out of a, a script exactly that's the brief history. There's not. We'll probably find out more in ten years from now. We'll find out more about Heather Rio Water. We're we'll get, get an oral history. How, how it gets made. Jumping into favorite scenes, what were some scenes that really stuck out to you in this movie? Um, I I love the I love the earlier heists. Um, yeah, they, they, he does a really good job
0: at making all the all the bank robberies distinct, and and they're all the the earlier ones are kind of fun. They, they all feel very like Texas. Um, yeah uh the the very first one is 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 uh, the first two are like pretty quirky you know there, there's some there's some humor in it about the way that like people the the weathered people of texas would react to getting to getting robbed um yeah. and and i i really like um so amber mid thunder is in the in the third robbery they do and a young actress named amber mid thunder who went on to be in the fx show legion um is, she's very good but you, you that's when you start to kind of see the dark side of it especially because like ben foster goes off on his own without chris pine and he you can tell that he's you know he's a little bit too too into it and you know he's he's yeah. a loose cannon he's a ticking time bomb whatever cliche you want to call him and that's the first one when you when you really see like how they come back and show this it's a young girl being who's the the um teller at the bank and they come back and show Jeff Bridges interviewing her later, and you can see just how traumatized she is by the incident. And that's when you really start kind of going like, "Oh yeah, there are some consequences here." Like, um, you know, there the people are being scarred by this. Um, and then that, and that's kind of when the the whole the, it starts to get a little darker, and you start to see the darker side of Ben Foster's character. Um, so I, I really like those first three bank robbery scenes as a way of getting us like into it and and getting us on their side. But then starting us to show, starting to show us like the dark side of it as well.
2: Good morning, folks! Open the drawers! Open the motherfucking drawers!
3: Ones, fives, tens, twenties, no hundreds, no bundles. You boys robbing the bank. Shut up! Put your hands on the counter. On the counter! Yes.
2: Sir. That's it, come on.
3: That's crazy. Y'all
2: ain't even Mexicans. Uh, 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 uh. No bundles. Just loose cash.
3: Okay. you don't be ashamed yourselves.
2: Hands on the counter where I can see them! Yes. You got a gun on you, old man?
3: He's damn right I got a gun on me.
2: Are you gonna get his gun? Yeah. Keep up with the circumstances, okay?
3: Yeah, I got it. So are you all gonna steal my gun, too? I have my own gun. We ain't steal from you, we'll steal from the bank. Much obliged.
2: Let's go. I'm sorry about this, folks.
3: Turn around, up, son of bitches.
1: That's the big thing too. It does a really good job of, of buying like, like being on their side with these bank robberies because of the kind of like the opening scene when she's like, "Are you guys new to this?" When like they don't know how to rob the bank the first time, mm-hmm. uh, and then you have the old man with the gun in the second one. It's very like. Like you said, it's kind of quirky in a way. Yeah, and Chris Pine's, like, very gentle. He, like, takes the gun and, like, places it on the on the um, campfire. Yeah, Pine, I'm talking about scenes, because so like Pine feels out, not Pine as an actor, but his Pine's character, uh, Toby, feels very much out of his element when they're doing the bank robberies mm-hmm. at first, these first two bank robberies. And you, and one of my favorite scenes, is that you don't really see how how kind of volatile Toby could be. And it comes out at the gas station Mm -hmm. when, uh, it's, that's like one of my favorite scenes when Ben Foster's at the car, he's just kind of like being Ben Foster in this movie, in this, in this specific performance or this specific scene where he's just sitting in the car and these kind of just like young kids come up in a fast car blaring music and they're like, yo man, what are you looking at? and you can't even tell if
0: he's like a, he's got his
1: sunglasses I mean, on and you like, can't even like tell asleep. if he's looking at them or if he's asleep and he and, and he doesn't say anything and the guy just like for some reason doesn't like it so he pulls out a gun and chris pine which nothing this, this movie does really well at and this is kind of the cinematography and the directing where they play a lot of stuff in wide shots mm-hmm. but you have a lot of things happening in the background so you're gonna see stuff happening that hasn't fully happened like you're it's not you're not it's not drawing your attention to it but you're it's gonna be coming coming important and pine comes out of the convenience store and disappears Mm -hmm. when this guy brings out the gun and then just comes in and starts wailing on this dude and then goes to beat up the dude who didn't do anything in the car he deserved it it. (laughs) (laughs) and he's just like fine and then just like and that's when tanner ben foster's character's like Oh, you got some fighting! You finally like you're finally showing up. Yeah, and and you, you, I think that's a great
0: moment to show you how intensely loyal to his family he is. Yeah, and that show that's that's that scene is great. If you have any doubt in your mind, you're like, why is this guy? Like, he seems like a pretty clean cut dude. Why is he robbing a banks? And you're like, oh, when it comes to his family, he's gonna do whatever he he needs to do.
1: Yeah, but, and also too, uh, Ben Foster's character. It's not, it's, it's what, what relate it related to me more. I went to like high school with that dude. Like there is a guy I went to high school with who I was like, damn, this could have been him. He's much better now, but like just the way he, the way Ben Foster interacts with people reminds me so much of one of my best friends from high school. He's got that, like that the hair. Scene. It's almost like Guy Fieri
0: hair. It's like spiked back and <laughs> those
1: sun goes awful sunglasses. Uh, he, he's kind of bloated, but it's like, it's like there's a scene when he goes up to the casino when they're at the casino and he goes up to the lady at the front desk and be like, uh, oh, we're looking for a room. Do you have a reservation? And he goes, oh, I'm sorry, man. He just like goes to this he, whole like, character. He like double takes. He like
0: kind of turns yeah. away
1: and then like comes back and does it over again. Yeah. And I was just like, dude, that's that's my best friend from high school. He would totally do that probably today. And where it's like Ben Foster, like Tanners, is his character where it's like, when it comes to women, he's like constantly flirting in a way to them. Like he's very like, he's a very charismatic character. And you can see why, even though he seems crazy, why people can kind of like fall for him in a way, why his brother would go, why Toby would go to him like, hey, I need help. And it's like, okay, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, his character reminds me a little bit, not really in like their personas, but a little bit of Jeremy Renner in the town. Mm. Like some reason, it, it's a similar role where he's he's kind of the, the second guy to the main kind of like a list star, but he's this loyal guy who will do whatever this friend or brother ask him to do. And he's kind of the one who steals the show out of the two people. Even though I think Chris Pine's great. Foster's the
0: one that I think also there's something in the town that has a lot to do with our Texas movies in that um, in both those movies, like Affleck and Pine are both in it for a limited time. They're going to make a certain amount of money and then they're going to get out And and Renner and and Ben Foster also are they're not getting out like and and Jeff Bridges says this later on like if if he hadn't you're you're well into spoiler territory now like if he hadn't been killed (laughs) he would have ended up back in jail because he just liked robbing like he was never going to go straight and he knows that and so he's just doing what he can to help his brother out before he either goes back to jail or or gets killed in the process Um, and and that that kind of ties into what we're talking about like getting out of texas getting out of poverty uh getting out of crime pine has a clear plan to get out and he he is yeah. determined to do it not out of texas but out of poverty and out of a life of crime and, and foster doesn't foster knows that he's in it he's never going anywhere
1: and that's kind of the moment at the end when they file when they rob the final bank and and they separate mm-hmm. and Pine's kind of like where are you going he just doesn't tell him he's just like i'm gone like it doesn't matter where i'm going like and and, and maybe and maybe it's that he knows he's like the he's the he's the decoy to get pine away Mm. and that's why he's doing that i'm not entirely sure but he's like he's he's done that was that was the only goal
0: he had left in life was to get that money for his brother and that
1: was it and it and it's such a great moment because he tells he tells uh toby that he loves him but he does he looks away he can't he can't look him face to face and tell his brother he loves him but you know, he does because he like literally did this with probably not a- didn't ask any questions and just said, you want to rob some banks to help your family? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Like, because and, and Pine kind of says this early on or at some point in the movie, it's like my I, I was raised poor. My my parents were raised poor. My sons aren't going to be raised poor. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's kind of the whole thing is that he's doing it for his kids and fosters his character who doesn't have that connection. He realizes that Chris Pine and his kids are kind of the only connection for, the, or their only chance at a family legacy in some
3: way. Let's oh, go. Get to the casino, change the money like we planned. This is your plan. And it worked. Every step of the way. Trust it.
2: Where are you headed?
3: Don't be stupid.
2: Love you, Toby. Mean it. I
3: love you too. Hey, Toby. Go fuck yourself yourself
1: <laughs> and i don't know if they know they've discovered oil on the farm while they're doing this or what because basically the whole thing is that once he gets the land back to his kids they're able to like drill for oil on the on the land they own and now like it's 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 the beginning of giant basically yeah. where all the family is going to be rich now and then, he, and then he turns
0: around the, the the genius part at the end is he turns around and lets the bank that he robbed from handle The oil money. yeah. And so they they even say, like, even if he had, when when it comes down to it and Bridges is trying to arrest him and and the cops are like, he's not a suspect and the the bank would never, like, testify against him because he's making him more money now than he would have robbed from him anyway. Yeah,
1: they said he robbed $40,000 from the bank and he's making the bank $50,000 a month. They're just like, they're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. Like, they literally make their money back in one month. And the rest is just profit. Why, why would they do that? Other quick scenes. I said the gas station scenes won the first few bank robberies. Um, I really love the stand or, or the ending scene between bridges and pine. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah, it, it's, 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 this is a movie where it doesn't really, there's not really a true ending. If that makes sense. Like the, the, the conflict between bridges and pine is not resolved by the end of the movie. I wonder, like, do, and this is maybe a story question, like, does this Bridges go to Pine's apartment the next day and one of them kills the other? I don't know. Because, like, it's a very, like, if you want to come see me, come see me and we'll ha- we'll finish this conversation we're having. Because pa- Bridges is basically coming to Pine saying, I know what you did. I'm not going to let you off. I'm going to, and he's are retired, but he's like, I'm basically going to die trying to put you in jail because of what you did. Cause it's this kind of out this kind of law enforcement mentality is that he's like, I can't fully retire until I know this case is solved and you're punished. He said,
0: you you know, he said your brother was the one who shot all those people, but you're the one who put your brother on that
1: path. It was your idea. I know it. You're the mat. You're the mastermind of this plan. I think is what he says. Like you're the one who did this and pine does a great job. He doesn't like, he doesn't have a lot of dialogue in that scene. Mm. It's mostly just bridges being Jeff bridges with his Full-on Texas accent, trying to basically get him to say, "Yeah, you're right, that was me." But like, it's there's tension in that scene. Like, if his if his kids don't show up at that moment, there's a shootout. Is what it feels like to me.
3: I know why your brother Tanner did it. He robbed them banks because he liked it. He shot my partner three hundred yards away because he liked it. it. Made him feel good. If I hadn't blown this shit for brains out, there'd be a new truck out front with jet skis and whatever else he could think to buy. He'd spend it all just to give him an excuse to steal some more. But not you. Uh, there's nothing new around here. Except them pump decks. Each one of them making you a month what you and your brother stole from all four banks combined. Help me understand that. Help me understand why four people died So you could steal money that it don't seem you've spent, that it don't seem you need. You got a family? My partner had a family, a big one. They don't got no pump jacks in their backyard. I didn't kill your friend. Yes, you did. By setting this thing in motion. You expect me to believe you did the brother planned this? Oh no, this was smart. This was you. I've been poor my whole life. I told my parents, their parents before them. It's like a disease. Pass it from generation to generation becomes a sickness. That's what it is. Infects every person you know. But not my boys. Not anymore.
0: Yeah, and I got one more scene I want to shout out. And if we can, if we can pull, if we can clip it, well, okay, uh, we'll do a clip. The the waitress at the steak restaurant is just so. It's just so accurate. There's there's a diner in my hometown that everybody eats. There's like three restaurants in my hometown. And there's a diner in my hometown. There's there's one waitress. She's worked there. She's been the only waitress there my entire life. And she has this thing. When you come in, they have printed menus for lunch, but they do not have printed oh, that menus. Wa-
1: that waitress, I got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah I got they, you. they
0: do not have okay. printed menus for breakfast. And, and they say, when you walk into this diner in my hometown, when you walk in, she says, what do you want for breakfast? And if you say, can I see a menu... She says, breakfast has been the same way since the dawn of time, and it'll always be the same way. If you want anything sweet, we got pancakes, we got waffles, we got French toast. If you want anything savory, we've got bacon, we've got sausage, we've got liver pudding. If you want some starch, <laughs> we've got grits, we've got hash browns, and we can cook an egg any way you like it. What do you want? And <laughs> and so there's this scene in <laughs> Hell or High Water where they go into the steak place, and, and I've been to restaurants, driving back and forth across Texas and Oklahoma is the same way. I've been to these restaurants where it's like, you, you, you don't get to pick a cut of steak. We got one cut of steak. We're going to cook it the yeah. way we want to. What do, you, what do you want on your baked potato? That's it. And so she, I love this scene. She just says, um, what don't you want? And they're like, what? And she's like, you either don't want green beans or you don't want corn, but you're getting a steak and you're getting a baked potato. And they're just like, oh, okay. And it's funny. It's like a funny little local color moment, but then it turns into yeah. a deeper conversation that Jeff Bridges and Gil Birmingham have about like why these towns are dying off. And um, yeah. like Jeff Bridges bemoans that, that there's a, a hardware store across the way that's going out of business. And Gil Birmingham says, yeah, they charge double the price of Home Depot. Like, why would you go there? And there's this whole like old, old world, new world. And it's the same death of Texas we've been seeing since the last picture show. It's still happening. It's moving very slowly, but it's happening. And, and you know, that, and I think you see it everywhere, especially across the South. But, um, you, you know, pretty much anywhere in the country outside of like major cities, like the death of like the main street um, and, and everything moves out towards the highways. And uh, they, the, it, that all kinds of, it does. Uh, like I said, he, Sheridan does a really good job at like hiding the, the themes yeah. and the, the like political commentaries and stuff in his movies. But it all comes out of just that, like really well done joke about a steak restaurant. It turns into this whole thing about how these towns refuse to change and they're going to die because they don't change.
1: Which part of the clip should we show is the thing? Because those are two different clips. I just I just want the, a little clip of that waitress. She's incredible. No, no, the waitress. She's, okay, she's well so good.
2: <laughs> Howdy, ma'am. How you
3: doing today?
2: Hot. And I don't mean the good kind. So what don't you want? Pardon? What don't you want? Oh, well, uh, I think I just. Uh, you know, I've been working here for 44 years. Ain't nobody ever ordered nothing but T-bone steak and a baked potato. Except this one asshole from New York tried to order trout back in 1987. We don't sell no goddamn trout. T-bone steaks. So either you don't want the corn on the cob or you don't want the green beans. So what don't you want?
3: I don't want green beans. I don't want green beans either.
2: Steaks cooked medium rare. Can I get my steak cooked just a... That want time? no question. All right. Ice tea for you boys.
3: Ice tea be great. Ice tea, yeah, thank you, ma'am. Uh-huh. Well, do you one thing. Hope he's gonna rob this son of a bitch. <laughs>
1: i also really love the diner scene that chris pine has with katie mixon i love katie mixon Uh, she's she's great she's awesome she's so just like uh, she's charming Mm -hmm. even like just some like she's only in this movie for like two scenes and she has great chemistry with both with a pine and also bridges Mm -hmm. it's like bridges just like oh uh it's the sassy waitress back there see if you can get the money from her like it's just like they have i love that
0: scene too you got the three old men sitting at the table too just kind of like laughing the whole time it's it's so they're just
1: like yep they're just like she ain't giving you that money like they're told like it's like they come here every day Mm -hmm. they know that waitress so well they're just like she's not giving you anything But yeah, it's like, it's just some, some great moments in there where it's like, you're finding out like, and also just seeing kind of like, she has like kids and has a mortgage and she's waiting at tables every day at this place. And Chris Pine leaves her $200 and that $200 is like a godsend to her that she would never have gotten elsewhere. And also that scene too, when, when Pine and her are talking, you see everything happening in the background, at the bank across the mm-hmm. street like when katie mixon comes up to talk to chris pine you see ben foster running from the diner across the street putting on his mask and entering the bank but it's so like it's it's very subtle like you you really have to watch this movie and see what's going on in the background because there's so much happening in every frame in this movie any other favorite scenes you want to talk about real quick
0: well, there's there's two more things. I don't I don't want to call them my favorite scenes because they're they're kind of tough to watch. But there's two more things. Jeff Bridges is just Jeff Bridges is so good in this movie. And there's two things. And I, I, it's incredible the way they play out. Once again, spoiler alert. Uh, turn this <laughs> off if you haven't seen the movie. Uh, Gil Birmingham's death is so shocking because they yeah. don't shoot it. It it they they shoot it wide and he's just in the middle of saying something and he just goes down and they don't like immediately cut to him dying or anything. You just watch it play out. And, and Jeff Bridges just like lets out this cry that is like, it's, it's, it's it's, like primal. It's incredible. He's so good. And you see him like break. He's been this, this like cool Texas Ranger. Like he knows what he's doing. And, and, you just see him like break down in that moment and he's so good there. And then he has this like second after he, after he kills Ben Foster where he like, he starts laughing and then he starts crying and then he just is, and then he's just exhausted and it all happens within like 30 seconds. And it's amazing.
1: Yeah. That, that same when it went, when, when, when his partner gets shot, it's very much like he's in the middle of telling a joke. Mm-hmm. Like they're always having these kind of like, racist jokes back and forth and he's in the middle of telling it he's finishing it as the as, as he's falling to the ground after he's gotten shot in the head mm-hmm. and it's just like so like oh god and like you're saying it's where this character where it all becomes serious all of a and, sudden. and they've
0: been setting it up the whole time like that jeff bridges is saying like i want to die on the job like i, I want yeah, yeah, yeah. i want to get killed on the job that's that i don't yeah. want to retire i don't want to not be a cop anymore you I want to die and, and you take over. And, and they, they yeah. set it up and set it up and set it up for for it to just be like that. And he, Gil Birmingham is the future of, of yeah the Texas Rangers and, and he's gone.
1: And, and Bridges is also kind of just like, too, like, I don't have a family. This guy has a, like a wife and kids at home. Like, he's just like, once I'm gone, he's going to do it for a little bit. And, then, and It's not in his lifeblood to be a cop, it feels like. Mm. like. He's a cop. Gil Birmingham's a cop. But like it's in like Bridges's blood. That's kind of this idea of this like old cowboy who's refusing to die. Mm-hmm. It, it I wrote down, it reminded me a little bit also of Old Man the Gun, where like Redford can't do anything else but rob banks, mm-hmm. and I feel like Bridges is the same way, but it's the opposite that so he can't do anything but fight crime, basically, and like uphold the law. That's the only thing he can do, and he will do it till his dying day. That's why after he's retired, he's just like I will not. I will not uh uh continue knowing that this guy is making tons of money and he robbed these small banks in Texas or whatever like he just can't he can't deal with that and he can't sleep at night because of it. Did you have one more scene because you said that you had two scenes uh, just, that yeah one?
0: just those two moments with with bridges I think he's i mean I've always loved Jeff bridges obviously from last picture show to this but yeah uh, he he's he' he's incredible in this,
1: so m- moving on to onset life not much because again we'll find out more about the oral history in 10 years or whatever about hell or high water but the one thing i did find that was interesting are a couple things um chris pine had to shoot all of his scenes in two and a half weeks because of his schedule for star trek beyond wow and they shot uh, apparently they shot it all in sequence and they shot quick too because they wanted to keep that intensity of his character like building to the very end mm-hmm. so they shot all of his stuff in order
0: i do love it's just a visual thing he he and ben foster are so dirty in this movie <laughs> like they're just they always are. like dusty and that's why yeah. I, you just love seeing him just like clean in the last and he's yeah. still got like paint all over his shirt or whatever but he's his like face is clean and his hair yeah. has been like shampooed in that last sequence and you're like oh he's
1: he did it he made it he did. There's two things I want actually just remember. There's one more scene I want to bring up too. It's the scene with his son uh, when they're sitting on the back when they're sitting like in the backyard and he's saying like, you're going to hear a lot of things about me. And he's like, don't worry. I won't believe them He goes, no, 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 no. You believe them because they're all true. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's it's a subversion of like it subverts what you what that conversation usually goes like. You're going to hear a lot of things about me. But just know I was a good person. Those aren't true. He's just like, no, no, no. They're all true.
3: How come you ain't to school? School don't start yet. Just two days for football right now. Your grandmother died. you am given the ranch to you and your brother. Remember going out there when you was little?
2: What am I supposed to do with a ranch?
3: Do anything but sell it found oil on it. You and your brother ain't gonna have to worry about money no more. Now, you may be hearing a lot of things about me and, and your uncle. Don't be like us. You hear me? Whatever I hear, I won't believe. No, you believe it. I did all of it. You, you do it different.
1: I'm going to ask you this. Where was this film shot? Oh, man. Was it not Texas? New Mexico. It was all New Mexico.
0: They, they, they sh- I'm telling you, man. Huge film industry in New Mexico. And it's it's getting bigger.
1: Apparently, Texas at that point had removed tax incentives for productions. So they shot the entire film in New Mexico onward to okay what what worked about this movie even though we've talked about a lot of stuff what one thing we haven't touched on at all
0: that i probably the aspect of this film i interact with the most on a regular basis is uh nick cave's score for this movie yeah love it fantastic score love i mean, the music love the music's great love I think nick throughout. cave as a film composer love him as a musician. Um, yeah, it's just, it's old school Western. It's I mean, it's not like Morricone. Like, it's it's not like good, bad, and ugly, but it, it gives you those, like, old Wild West vibes.
1: Yeah, but with the modern style mm-hmm. to it. it. Very much so. I agree with that. Another thing it does, too, really well, again, we're talking about the, the connection to land in this movie, which we haven't really touched upon, but it's very apparent in the film of, like, when there's shots of, like, them just looking at the land Mm -hmm. after they've robbed the first two banks and they're talking about it. And then even the ending shot, which kind of like solidifies that theme of when Jeff Bridges is leaving, you just see like massive amounts of land that this family now owns. And there's like at least six oil, like oil drilling places Mm -hmm. or oil wells in a, on the land where like nothing is going on yeah and then it comes and, so and then it, it
0: comes all the way down the camera comes all the way down to just like a like, patch of grass and you're like this a is a patch of grass this is what what's about. about this is this, this is what, it's what all it all about
1: for. and that's how it ends and you're like oh okay cool this is what they're trying to say it's all about this this legacy of father son family being passed down and the idea of like land and texas being like still like a little bit of that old west of like manifest destiny going out and giving a patch of grass and building it yeah yeah like well, John Wayne Birmingham does. has that
0: awesome little speech about like this was this was my people's land yeah and then and then someone took and he, he says to um jeff bridges says something about the the indians and he says your people were indians somewhere at some point too and someone came and took their land from them and then you came here and took my land from me and now the bank's taking it from from your people it's um uh, yeah it, it, i mean it's it, it, it and, and it's, it's some themes, especially that, that, uh, Sheridan works into wind river, but the, these, I mean, he, he goes into these kind of sweeping themes of like the, the entire ties to land and, and America and the complete history of America. And, and you never feel like you're watching a movie about that, uh, even though he's touching on it.
1: Yeah. And, and especially with wind river and, uh, hell or high water, you have these like native American themes that are running throughout the film one river being the big one Mm -hmm. but like you have Gil birmingham talking about it or you even have the point at uh at the casino they're at a they're at a like a indian reservation casino and ben foster has a face-off with like a a a native american who's at the at the poker table with them
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um let's see what else what else we want to say that worked um yeah i mean all the cast is great like I think, from from down to the people with like one scene, uh, the cast works here.
0: Yeah, and I mean we we touched on it, but pace the pacing is yeah awesome. It's um, there's there's several scenes of just people kind of sitting and waxing rhetoric about what it means to be a Texan, but it never feels that yeah, way. Yeah. It's um it feels so snappy.
1: Uh, did anything not work?
0: I mean, I don't want to say this is a perfect movie, but like nothing sticks out to me same off the top of my head then i'm like oh
1: that's not good like it's it's great it's it's all really good (laughs) yeah i don't really this is the one thing too about a show with you and me is that we have very similar tastes like yeah nothing bothered us because i i didn't have nothing there was nothing glaring it's like i'm i'm giving this like a four and a half out of five on letterbox for those who follow us on letterbox just because like it's it it's like it's not. I guess it's not perfect because it doesn't fully. There's something about that four and a half to five range where, like, it doesn't fully grab me emotionally. If that makes sense,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like, it doesn't. It doesn't fully. It's not going to sit with you for 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 years days and days the and way days. that last yeah, picture yeah. show does. Exactly. Exactly. It's like there's something about like it doesn't hit the full on emotional. I, I, don't, core. I don't know
0: that it's designed to. You know, it's, it's, no, it's, it's not. It's, it's not. It's not trying to be. But I think you and I. You and I both picked this one for this series because this is probably the best modern film to capture that all of what we've been talking about a Texas movie is. Um, And I think this is this is for both of us um, and for a lot of people. I think this sticks out as like the best modern film to to modernize all of those themes that we've been talking about and, and pay homage to the Westerns that came before it while being its own thing um yeah. and, and i think we both re- really res- respect it for for doing all of that
1: yeah it truly is like a mo- it is a it is a neo-western it mm-hmm. is a very modern film it's it's a film that there are people well, i remember it coming out of people that i know who don't know westerns who were able to say oh this is what a what a western yeah, you could set this in the wild west and make a couple script changes and it would completely yeah. work yeah yeah it's it's there's two brothers who are on the it's it's i mean it's it's jesse james mm-hmm. it's these it's these people who own the land the, tra- and, the and the railroads coming in to take their land mm-hmm. and they start robbing banks in texas to get the money to pay to pay the railroad off to like not foreclose on their on their ranch and farms the same exact thing we've kind of talked about this but anything else of how does this film fit into the texas genre we've talked about family the legacy the outlaw kind of mentality and how texas is still kind of uses the old west was there anything else yeah, and
0: just just you know the 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 ties to the land in both a, a good and a bad way. You know um, loyalty to your land, and but also you know with Ben Foster's character, kind of like hopelessness and, and aimlessness, and, and a lot of the people we see, a lot of the kind of local color. I think that's why a lot of people, uh, these kind of side characters we see, end up like liking these guys because they're they they're they're all kind of stuck in these little towns that are being sucked dry by the banks, and and that all feeds into that just kind of like trapped trapped in the vastness of texas that we've been talking about
1: yeah I, again i like to bring, again when they're the driving scenes when they're going through texas things it's kind of all these like abandoned abandoned buildings abandoned businesses and the billboards of like i said debt relief or like just like everyone is like feels like they're at the end of their rope in this part of town and and you have kind of this reoccurring theme, these kind of modernized version of Westerns. You have the Jeff Bridges character, this old cowboy who's dying off and who's trying to find a place in the world, like a Ben Foster or something like that. Um, So yeah. Um, Alternate universe cast. Can't find anything on who was supposed to be the characters of these three care, these three people. But I do have one thing. Peter Berg was initially going to direct this movie there was rumors that he was he they bought it uh for film 44 for berg to direct and then berg didn't direct it so that's the only piece of information i have i'm not sure how this would have been i don't know that berg would have let just knowing what we know
0: about his style um i don't know that he would have let everything play out like like you and i both like the the way it just kind of the camera sits and lets things play out in camera i don't think he would have have gone that way and i think that's a major part of this movie
1: yeah i I don't know if he had because this has kind of a old classic style to it with those wide shots they play and i do like Berg's style almost feels too modern for this film Mm -hmm. with the shaky cam that he usually does i don't know of a film that comes to me that he did that he shot like a a traditional quote-unquote cinematography way not saying traditional is the right way, but I'm just saying that it works it, here. It, he, it works here, and I I don't know what that would have been like with Berg and in the mix, but he did produce it. He did help bring it to the to the screen, and he did the same of with Wind River. So, I said Berg really is a has kind of had a he's not he doesn't have a a, a Richard Linklater stamp on this genre, but for a guy who's not from Texas, you kind of see him. Even in terms of like TV, where it's like he has Friday Night Lights TV show, he's the producer of The Leftovers for the first season when they're in Austin, correct? Season two, season two is in Austin. Is he in season two, yeah. Okay, never mind. He's he's not the producer of that. I think he just did season one.
0: Yeah, I think he still has a credit around on for season two, but he he didn't direct. He directed um, some of season one and um, didn't direct any of season
1: two. But still, he and so with this one, he still kind of has like a little bit of a stamp in the Texas genre more as a producer than a director um other interesting info on hell or high water uh, uh real quick taylor sheridan drew much of his inspiration from the lonesome dove miniseries in the original novel written by larry mcmurtry talking about people with a stamp on the, <laughs> on the texas film industry larry mcmurtry keeps coming up uh, first two robberies in the film they were shot there, but they they take place in Archer City and Olney, Texas. And Archer City is important, and Olney is is important because Archer City is where they shot Last Picture Show, mm-hmm. and technically the town name in Texasville is Archer City. It's where Larry, Larry McMurtry is from as well. Yeah. So and our, and Jeff Bridges' first movie and all that stuff. This is a weird little little fact. Um, it was the second movie of 2016 that starred ben foster and chris pine can you guess the other film that came out in 2016 that starred ben foster and chris pine no idea what was that the finest hours oh yeah that that disney movie where their uh ben foster was in that ben foster it's chris pine casey affleck ben foster so yeah that that came out in january 2016 and i think this came out in like june uh, of 2016, if I'm not mistaken, because it was one of those films where, Helen Hunt Warner got a lot of Oscar buzz, but weirdly, um, didn't come out during Oscar season. It came out in the summer, came out in August, is what it was. Only made 38 million, on a 12 million dollar budget. So it was one that, like, by the time Oscar season came out, it was already out of theaters, but it somehow was able to pull in, uh, four Oscar nominations for best picture, best supporting actor for Jeff Bridges, best original screenplay for Taylor, T- Taylor Sheridan, best film editing as well. I didn't know I didn't realize that. That's all the info I have. Any story questions? The one big one I had, does Jeff Bridges go to Chris Pine's apartment after at the end of this movie after it's over and they have a shootout? Like what happens with them? I don't know. I don't know that that's
0: that's his style. Um, I think he likes to seem threatening and he wants to like strike fear into Chris Pine's heart, but I don't know that he's that he's, I don't know that he's like frontier justice kind of person,
1: but do you, do you think he goes back to see Pine? I think he does. I, I don't, I, I think he's still living with the fact that this, uh, his partner was killed indirectly because of Chris Pine. And even though he killed the brother, he's aware yeah, I killed your brother, but your brother wouldn't be there if you didn't set this whole plan in motion. Yeah. So it definitely feels like cuz cuz I think Pine is like if you want to make peace, you can come find me. <laughs> we'll make peace with what you're what, it, it feels like, I don't know. It feels like he went after him. Any other questions you have about this movie, story-wise?
0: Uh I want to know if that lawyer has ever been involved in like anything like this. He seems pretty cool about it. <laughs> He's like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, you guys are robbing the bank to pay the bank back. That's awesome. But like is he is he like a better call Saul, like is he the lawyer people go to for crime stuff or I don't know. Or is this the first time he's been involved in this kind of thing? I don't know. I love I, I love that guy. I love that little scene. But
1: uh, uh yeah, Kevin Rankin is that is that character or that actor? He's also I was like, I've seen this guy before. He's in Friday Lights the TV show. Oh, huh? Just so you know. Uh, he was also in Undeclared, apparently, for four episodes. Four
0: episodes, okay.
1: He's also in Dallas Buyers Club, so he's kind of a, he's also kind of popping up. T- he was also in Breaking Bad.
0: Oh wow! Oh yeah, he was like a he was like a nerd in Undeclared. Wow! Yeah, completely forgot. Did not recognize that
1: guy. That's 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 all my story questions. So, awards, the Beatrice Strait Award, actor actress with limited scenes, but kills it. All right. Who do you give it to? Is Gil Birmingham in too many scenes to give it to? <sighs> I think he might be. Okay, then I give it to Katie Mixon. That's that's who I would say, too. I feel like Katie Mixon, I, I you forget she's only in like, two or three scenes in this film. But she, like, she stands out in mm-hmm. this movie. Yeah, I think Gil Birmingham is too. I think he's still in the supporting cast. Like, I think in terms of, like, I think it goes... In terms of, like, who's in the call sheet? Bridges, Pine. Oh, yeah, he was
0: definitely four on the call sheet. He's, like,
1: four. He's, like, four on the call sheet. Yeah. I feel like you have to be, like, outside the top five.
0: All right. Yeah. Yeah, no, Katie Mixon's awesome in this. I love Katie Mixon. She was in um, Eastbound and Down. She has the series American Housewife that she stars in now. But she's Eastbound and Down was the first thing I had seen her in, and she was just, like, she was just like a small town southern girl and and she was great in that and 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 she does this, she, a completely different energy she brings to this one but she she's also the same just like it, it, we talk so much about like local color in this movie and she's she's the one who kind of delivers it the best in being like the, yeah. these are how real people out so you get so caught up in in the brothers robbing and and Jeff Bridges hunting them down and she's she's the the person that gives us a glimpse into how like the real people of Texas are viewing this and she does a great job at humanizing her character, bringing out the best in Chris Pine for you know for a couple of moments and and then yeah. like sticking it to bridges. And and she's in and out but, but it's it's so
3: memorable.
2: You the Texas Ranger?
3: Yes, ma'am. Tell me about those handsome young strangers that you waited on.
2: Who said handsome?
3: I did. Based on the fact that you didn't meet me in the parking lot hollering about the two out-of-towners eating here right before a bank robbery.
2: Well, they didn't mention they was robbing the bank.
3: They paid cash. Is
2: that a crime now?
3: How much did they leave? How much?
2: $200. And... They left it before the bank was robbed, so.
3: Uh, before this bank was robbed. You gonna need to see them bills. Ma'am.
2: Mm-mm.
3: Now, well, them bills is evidence.
2: Mm-mm, it's evidence if they're the bank robbers. Till then, it's my tip. And have my mortgage. So you go out there and you get a warning. You come after the money that I will be using to keep a roof over my daughter's head.
1: Yeah, I would I would get Katie Mix as well. That's kind of my pick. Let me see. Who else would you throw? I mean, you know, also the other waitress. <laughs> the other, the not, other waitress. I, the she's definitely a
0: local hire. She was great, but... Um, but yeah, she,
1: I also wanted to ask, how many people do you think were
0: local hires in this movie? I mean, a lot. I think they were able to get away with a lot of local hires and that not a lot of people had, like, a whole lot of lines outside of, yeah. like like is is the old
1: man at the bank a local hire oh yeah
0: 100
1: yeah so okay mixing okay the joe pesci x-factor award ben foster i would agree
0: this is this is like the role he was born to play he's he's crazy he's a little cool he's, he's kind of charming that the, the just the way that he strolls out of that truck with that like semi-automatic rifle and or, no it's a fully automatic rifle and he's got the like duct tape clip stuck stuck in like the back of his pants it's just so and his shirt's like tucked in and he's got his belly hanging out it's
1: it's it's awful but it's you're just watching and you're like for for a dude who just feels so like not bloated but it just feels like so like should not be confident mm-hmm. Is just confident in every every moment in this movie yeah that character it's just like I'm gonna flirt with every woman, I'm gonna I'm gonna go face I'm gonna face to go face with any guy who gets in my way, like I'll do anything.
0: That's that seems great because I mean it, it's there is some comedic value to it. Like we talked about, these guys, these all these Texas men are just rolling up just for an excuse to shoot at something, and he just like hops out and he gets the gun and they, they all pull up like they're gonna get him and do then something. he just like unloads on all of them until they drive away. Uh, it, it, you know the scene's about to turn pretty dark after that, but that's that's like a moment of levity before it does get dark.
1: The Gene Hackman MVP award. If if not clear from the way I
0: spoke throughout the podcast, I'm giving it to Jeff Bridges.
1: Yeah, I agree with Jeff Bridges as the MVP for a guy who, like, I mean, he he's become more beloved as years have gone on and people have realized how talented he's he is. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like. Wow, I didn't realize he's been nominated for this many Oscars. He's been nominated, I think, for seven Oscars, and he's only he won for Crazy Heart. Side 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 note or side question: mm-hmm. What is Bridges' best performance? Oh man! What should he have won an Oscar for?
0: I mean, that's that's tough. Do you give it to like Big Lebowski? I mean, that's that's it's iconic. Um I love my favorite Jeff bridges and, and and this is not a popular movie whatsoever but I think my favorite performance of his is um, is a movie called Fearless um, that he did with Peter Weir it's mm-hmm. it's weird it's a weird movie most people I show it to don't like it as much as I do and I'm not really sure why I like it so much but he's he's incredible in it and it's it's not he's not a cowboy he's not he's he's it's it's a weird. It's a really, really weird movie. I'm not necessarily recommending it to everyone, but I think it's incredible.
1: Okay. So Jeff Bridges and Fearless. So yeah, Gene Hack or Gene Hackman award goes to Jeff Bridges for this movie for his consistently great performance. Um, final question. We like to do the remake question on here, if it was remade the day, because this is so modern, we're gonna change it up. If this film was made in the nineteen seventies, who do you cast? All right, I've got. I did my research on this one. Seventy three.
0: <laughs> okay. I've got a couple options. All right, I'm gonna give okay. you. I'm gonna give you two options. Seventy three. When he's young. Bridges. Okay. Okay, and he, you can you can tell me which of these you like the you like better. I will. Because I'm not sure if Bridges. I kind of want to put Bridges in the Ben Foster role, but I'm not sure. I think he's more of a Pine. I agree. But. 1973. There was also an actor who's just younger than Jeff Bridges, who had taken a break from acting to play uh, minor league baseball. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell is Pine. Jeff Bridges is as, as Ben Foster. And if you don't like that, if you don't, yeah, feel, was- if you're not feeling that, then you we I think we we leave Kurt Russell in the baseball league. Or or sup him in, either Jeff Bridges or Kurt Russell for Chris Pine. Alright, mm-hmm. nineteen seventy-three, Jeff Bridges was starring in a movie called uh The Last American Hero, where he and Gary Busey were playing brothers. Ooh. So give me Jeff Bridges as Chris Pine with Gary Busey as Ben Foster.
1: I kinda like that. I like the Gary Busey of Ben Foster.
0: So cancel Roll. that movie because nobody is even... Uh, it's got an 80 on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know. I've never seen it. I've never heard of it. But, okay. So give me those two instead of that movie. And then give me William Holden as
1: the Ranger. Jeff Bridges. Yeah. I like that. Gary Busey really fits that Ben... Like Gary Busey in the 70s fits that Ben Foster role. Because mm-hmm. B- Busey... You want to talk about... Dude, this is a this is Tangent. Go watch this movie called Carney. It's weird. And it's not great. It's flawed. But Busey in that movie is electric and just so, like, manic and just insane. And you're like, he'll go from that to, like, being kind of charming. And you're just like, damn. <laughs> you're like, what happened to this guy? And stuff happened to that guy. But, like, Busey, people really, like forget how, like, talented he was in that 70s, 80s period before he got into his like motorcycle accident like yeah I I like but Gary Busey and Ben Foster role I like putting jeff bridges in the Chris Pine I think I think jeff bridges is the more like I won't say pretty boy but like kind of the the more, the more grounded man one. yeah he's the more grounded leading man role and Busey's the character actor yeah and I feel like that's how it works with Ben Foster and Chris Pine william holden's a good choice for the for the, the share i think
0: you still need the in the way that bridges evokes the kind of like cowboy past i think you need you need somebody who has played cowboys before and the other one i would say is you still got john wayne's still working in 1973 i think you go out to john wayne before you give it to holden but if john wayne turns it down i think you go william holden
1: i love the power play. i think i think we should got john wayne first guys yeah then William Holden. After that, if he says no,
0: I was also my Who? the third one I was going to say was um, was Robert Ryan, but I think he died in seventy three, which and you know, I was I was specifically he died in seventy two, so you, you wouldn't have Robert it
1: Ryan. Robert Ryan's not a bad choice either. That's not a bad choice if he if he was alive. Who directs it? You know, I I hadn't thought about that, but I do. I think I think Peckinpah. That's the, that was what I was going to say. Peckinpah. Yeah, I was going to say Peckinpah too. Or bogdanovich <laughs>
0: 73 no i don't i mean 70. i don't want to like get rid of paper moon in this like uh alternate universe he, we've just built for he, make,
1: he makes in 74 he makes us in 74 All right. <laughs> he does last picture show what's up doc paper moon hell or high, high water, water. yeah
0: <laughs> somebody out there if any graphic designers who are listening make us that movie poster make,
1: make, make us that poster that'd be great Make all all the ones are pitching just make those as posters. That'd be great. Get get to have a a a, a bull Durham with a Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Bradley Cooper, and white Russell.
0: Wow, I I really like this idea now. Yeah, I want I want to Instagram with
1: our <laughs> or, 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 um, our alternative movies we just made. Oh, 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 oh yeah, alternate universe movies. Yeah, I like this. Um, last question: Does this film fit within any other genres? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a heist movie. Like, it doesn't focus as yeah. much on it
0: as some other heist movies do, but it, it has some, like, some of the fun aspects of the heist movie for sure.
1: A revenge movie as well. Mm-hmm. I would say a re- revenge movie, heist movie. Kind of um, cat and
0: mouse, you know, like The Fugitive or something like that. One of those, like, cat and mouse cop outlaw. It's, kind of yeah, movies.
1: it's definitely this kind of crime film where, because there's, 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 there's different kind of genre, like, not genres, but structures of crime films. And you have your crime films like this, and say, "Catch me if you can." Well, and I was—I was going was following... to say when
0: you when you said that Peter Berg thought about directing this, I was like, "Well, then we would have just had Heat set in Texas." <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, you have yeah, you have like you have the the person being pursued and the pursuer. You have the cop who's chasing the criminal, and you're trying to play that like make them both um, important and complex characters. And you're kind of getting, you're kind of getting uh, enough time with both them, like a uh, Tom Hanks and DiCaprio and catch if you can like De Niro and Pacino and heat. And I think, I think this one doesn't go fully into bridges like those films do with those actors, but I think it, cause I think that the core of the movie is about the the brother relationship between Pine and Foster, but there is still that there is a chase going on and this is who's chasing them. And you gotta see both sides of it. And Gil Birmingham kind of gets forgotten because he's not Jeff Bridges, but it is still it's like two guys chasing these other two guys is mm-hmm. what is it what it is. And the kind of the lesser, not the lesser in terms of acting, but lesser in terms of like importance, both get killed, and it ends with the two kind of. Yeah, but you know, I'm
0: I'm honestly just thinking of this as you're saying it out loud, but you you do kind of have the like there's the parallelism throughout of like Gil Birmingham and Chris Pine being like the more level-headed ones with families and something to live for and like goals. Yeah. And Jeff Bridges is definitely closer to like Ben Foster's character. He's, he's hot headed. Very much so. He's rude. He's crude. And he's got no plans. Like he's, this is all he's worried about. And so it, it does kind of, um, like there's a weird kind of asymmetry that, that Chris Pine loses Ben Foster while bridges lose and and the movie is setting you up throughout to to think that bridges is going to be the one to go and birmingham will be the one left standing but uh yeah now now that you
1: talk about it i'm like oh yeah they, yeah. they are kind of paired yeah. off
0: in a way and, yeah. then
1: the, and then the opposite ones die in each pairing and then it's like you got the level head one at the very end going against the hothead, mm-hmm. and he also had the hothead going against the hothead when bridges is the one that kills foster mm-hmm. like he's like he's the one who's like how like he, he's the smart one to go I'm gonna shoot him from behind, basically. Yeah. How do I get there? And Foster realizes it in the moment. Oh, someone's like he—he—he he, he sees this like yeah. Bridges, like he—he he sees it about to happen. It's not like he's completely caught off guard. He's like, oh, snap. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. Anything else you want to say about Hell or High Water?
0: Nah, man, love it. Watch this movie. Watch Wind River. I love Wind River. It's uh, I, I just yeah, I just. Rewatched watched Wind River like literally the night I watched this I was like oh man this movie's so good went straight into Wind River it was like 11 o'clock at night and I was like don't <laughs> care I'm watching Wind River we're doing it
1: yeah I watched Wind River yesterday uh just like you know what I was also in the middle let me just let me just see the continuation of how it goes um but yeah so next week stay tuned guys we're doing our episode our final episode of Texas month on Richard Linklater I've been delving a lot into this filmography this past week on uh, um, top of hell or high water. Um, yeah. I got some work to he... do. I got some homework. <laughs> a lot to catch up
0: on. I'm going to watch done, boyhood I mean, again. I, a lot of my life has been doing Richard Linklater homework, but there's a, there's a lot. He's a, he's there's a, a lot.
1: prolific man. Um, so yeah, that's next week for our final week of, of eight or for May. I keep saying April. What is time? Um, for, for the month of May or our last week of Texas month and but uh and then we'll have some a new genre for the month of june so yeah make sure you follow us on facebook twitter instagram uh make sure you subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts and spotify give us a rating give us a review follow us on medium and see kind of the articles we're putting out we're trying to do some texas themed stuff right now we've we've had a few things and we'll hopefully have a few more articles for the end of the month so yeah thomas as always Thank you for coming on. Anytime, dude. And talking Taylor Sheridan and Hell or High Water and all these, this neo-Western. And guys, thank you so much for listening. We hope you listen to more episodes soon. Bye.